All right, well, we are going to continue our series. We're in week three of a series we're calling His Story or History and Your Story. So we're looking at the history of the planet as according to the Bible, and we are basically looking at the major events and people of the Bible. Now, we're going to spend eight weeks on that. How far do you think we're going to get? We're going to complete the whole thing, pretty much have a, a full biblical knowledge by the time the eight weeks is up? Absolutely not. We're just going to barely scratch the surface on grabbing a hold of the truths of the Bible. So throughout this whole series, I'm going to continue to encourage you to be a student of the Word. Read your Bible for yourself. As you read your Bible, you'll be able to find out what it says, and you you'll be able to learn and grow in your relationship with God. Then you'll be able to tell if I'm saying stuff that's right or wrong. You'll be able to understand so many other things. And that's where you're going to have a tremendous opportunity to grow in your faith. One of the things that caused the most spiritual growth for me is when I decided to believe that the Bible was the holy inspired word of God and gave it authority over me. So instead of when I disagreed with something that's in the Bible, instead of going, yeah, I don't know about that. I was like, oh, wow, I guess that's, that's true. How do I apply that to my life? That was the most life-changing thing for me that allowed for the most spiritual growth was believing the Bible's true. So be a student of the word, read it for yourself, uh, because we're not going to be able to cover everything in the Sunday morning church services. This week, we're going to get into Abraham, the great man of faith, So let's give a little biblical timeline here. Let's say that Adam and Eve were 4,000 BC. That's kind of how the math shakes out. 4,000 BC, we have Adam and Eve. Now, if we're going to get to Abraham, Abraham, we're looking at about the 1800s BC. So we have, you know, all these different things that have happened from there. But Abraham on the timeline is actually closer to the cross than we are. So Abraham is, you know, maybe 1,800 years before Christ. We're 2,000 years after Christ. If you look at it from that perspective, it's really kind of interesting that, that Abraham is in closer proximity on the timeline to Christ than we are. So the church age is the longest age that's been happening. It's, it's really amazing to look at it from that perspective. And so at this point in history... Over 2,000 years in, we have no chosen people yet. You know, it's just people on the earth that are, some are having a relationship with God and some aren't. It gets kind of messed up. You know, the flood happened because everything was a big disaster. So God wipes out the people and then starts over with Noah. Now with Abraham, God's not going to destroy with a flood. He, that's the whole idea with the rainbow. That's not going to happen anymore. But instead of just letting everything go, God basically wants to pick someone who is a person of faith, who he can build a people through, who can then bring the light of God to the world. So it was instead of getting rid of all the bad guys, let's just pick a good group of people that can be representatives of God in the world. And so that's God's plan for Abraham, that he would be the father of many nations that through him would come a chosen people that would bring the truths of God to the world. 
So that's the plan with Abraham. And Abraham was a great man of faith. We're going to look at two events in Abraham's life where he showed his faith in powerful ways. And we're also going to look at one not so great scenario that Abraham was in. Because guess what? People are awesome and flawed. People are wonderful and beautiful and make mistakes. And Abraham is no exception to that rule. So let's get into three events in Abraham's life. Let's start with uh, Abraham's call. Genesis chapter 12 verses one through three. Now, Abraham, you know, father Abraham, his name was Abram and God renamed him in Genesis 17, Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many. So that little addition to his name from Abram to Abraham put the father of many, the many part in there. So God was saying to Abraham, you're going to have many, many descendants. And that was a big part of the promise, but that hasn't happened yet. Here we're in the original call to Abram. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land. I will show you. Here's what, what God is saying. You need to leave your family, your country. You need to leave your people and you need to go somewhere that I'll show you about later. That's the call. What happens if he does that? Verse two, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So there's incredible blessing here that Abraham would be made into a great nation, that he would not only be blessed, but be a blessing. And that through his people, that all peoples on earth will be blessed through Abraham. That's an amazing, amazing thing that God is telling to Abraham. So let's go back to verse one. Abraham hears from God, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. He's calling Abraham out. And what happens is Abraham actually goes. He listens to God's call and he leaves. He leaves his country, his father's house. He leaves his people and he goes. And this is an incredible act of faith. In those days, you know, they used to build walls around cities. Why did they do that? Because if you didn't have a wall around the city, the bad guys were going to come and kill you all and take your stuff. That's why they did that. It was not a safe time to be a small group of people or on your own. And yet God says to Abram, leave the big group where you're safe and go out on your own. Go I'll show you, but go. This would have been a scary thing to do, to just go out on your own, to leave your family and your people and go out on your own. But Abram did that. He went. What are three things we can learn from Abram answering God's call and leaving to the land that God would show him? Here are three lessons. First thing We leave something behind to follow Christ. We leave things behind. We have to let some things go and go follow Christ. When we go to follow Christ, we leave things behind. 
Don't just add Jesus to your life. There are things that you need to leave in the past and be done with. Just like God called Abram to leave. We're not just going to Jesus. We're also leaving some things. And so you need to look and see what do I need to leave? What should I have left or what did I leave to follow Christ? So we leave some things behind to follow Christ. Point number two, when we leave things behind to follow Christ, we don't often know where we're going. That was one of the things I just love about this verse. Leave and go to the land. I will show you. What kind of a promise is that? You know, I I promise you it's going to be good, but I'm not going to tell you exactly what. Go to the land I will show you. You'll have a land. You'll have many descendants. You'll be the father of a great nation, but I'm not going to give you much more details than that. Now, when we give our lives to follow Christ, we know, you know, we're going to go follow Jesus. We're going to be part of advancing God's kingdom on this planet. You know, we're going to be part of God's plan, but we don't really know what that is. We just know that we're supposed to go. So we don't know exactly where we're going, but we do know who we're going with. If Jesus is the one that's driving the van and you get in the van, you're going to know it's going to end up somewhere good. But we may not know where it's going. When we leave our old life behind to go follow Christ, we don't know where we're going. We just know who we're going with. And then lesson number three, we'll look at this a little bit later as well, is when we leave things behind to go follow Jesus, it often takes longer than we thought for things to develop, for it to start working. And it isn't often like we expected. Abraham hears this great promise from God, and he's going to be the father of many nations. And there's this plan for him and his wife, Sarah, to have a child, and it's going to be great. And he's 75 years old when he hears that promise, and the child isn't born till he's 100. It's 25 years of waiting A lot of times it all takes longer than you thought, and it really doesn't quite turn out to be the same as what you expected when you went to go in the first place. So there can be some trials along the way, disappointments along the way, some obstacles along the way. So first great act of faith is Abraham answering the call. The second great act of faith that Abraham does in his life is probably 35 years later, maybe, maybe 40 years later, we're jumping to Genesis chapter 22. By now, the, the 25 years of wait for the son of the promise to be born has happened. And now the son is growing up. Not exactly sure how old he is, but he's, he's, old enough to carry stuff. So he's strong. So we'll call him 10 to 15 years old, you know, a strapping young man. And that's where we pick it up. Now we're back into Abraham's life. Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse one. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Abraham's a great man of faith. He's left everything to go follow the plan of God for his life. He's waited for decades for the promise to come to pass. And now God is going to test him again. This isn't the first test. This is a big test though. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied, 
Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. So he gets a word from God. God calls out Abraham. He says, here I am. God says, okay, you know the son of the promise that you waited 25 years for, and now it's been another 10, 15 years. You know that son? I want you to go sacrifice him. He gets a word from God. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. Early the next morning. So did he hesitate? Early the next morning. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So they've been hiking for three days. And then it's like, oh, there it is. Verse five. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? So Isaac now, he's carrying the wood, and it would have been a pretty big pile of wood. So he's a fairly strong young man. He's not six years old. He's carrying the wood. He says, something here isn't quite adding up. We got the fire. We got the wood. There's no lamb. What's the plan? Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Is this what God told Abraham? I'll provide. He said, go sacrifice your son. Abraham says to his son, God will provide. Now, I don't know if he's just trying to make sure Isaac doesn't run away or if he's prophesying over the situation or he's hoping for something. I don't know. But he says to Isaac, God himself will provide the lamb. Verse 9. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. So by now, Isaac is thinking, I asked you what the plan was. This isn't what you said. He ties him up and he puts him on the wood pile. You know, we talk about Abraham all the time. What about Isaac? You know, like this is a traumatic experience. (laughs) He's probably heard all the stories of God's wonderful plan and the great nation. And he's the son of the promise. And now he's on the woodpile tied up and his dad's got a funny look in his eye. So he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. There's a sense of urgency there. Here I am. He replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So did the Lord provide? He did. That's not what God told Abraham in the first place. And that's not what Abraham was doing. He lifted the knife at his son, but God stopped him 
and provided a ram. And so they sacrificed the ram and Isaac was safe. So what do we learn from this? The first thing is that this is a foreshadowing of Christ on the cross. This is God showing his plan for the world through Abraham. Was Abraham going to sacrifice his son? He was, but God intervened. He was testing Abraham and he stopped him. But when Jesus came, the son of God came, he was sacrificed on the cross, but Jesus was not rescued like Isaac. God was willing to give up his son. John 3.16 is our succinct description of this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we see the tremendous foreshadowing of the cross through Abraham. That Abraham was willing to give up his son, but that wasn't God's plan. It was a test. But God would give up his son for the sins of the world. Then the second lesson that we can learn here is that you must be willing to give up the thing most dear to you. Abraham was willing to give up the son of the promise. He was willing to give up Isaac. He was willing to sacrifice Isaac because God called him to do it. Now, here's an interesting thing. Have you ever like tried to hear from God? Yeah. Have you ever been very confident that you've heard from God? Have you had times where you sort of think you heard from God, but you're not really sure? There are these moments where we're trying to evaluate what's going on, trying to hear from God, but not really sure what's going on. How do you help yourself evaluate whether or not you're actually hearing from God or it's just your emotions or you're making stuff up in your head or maybe it's the enemy trying to trick you? How do you evaluate whether or not you're really hearing from God? Well, I'll give you two basic principles. Principle number one, does it line up with the scriptures? If it lines up with the scriptures, then you can go to principle number two. But if it does not line up with the scriptures, you shouldn't continue. God's not going to tell you to do something contrary to his word. The second thing is that if you hear, you know, like you think you've heard from God, then be obedient to it and find out. You know, like if, if you're like, wow, I, I really feel like I'm supposed to say this thing to this person. Well, then go to them and say, you know, I, I was praying and you know, you came to mind and I really feel like I'm supposed to say this to you. And then you, you tell them and then you ask, does that ring any bells? Does that make any sense to you? And if they look at you like, wow, what? Then you're like, oh, maybe I didn't hear from God. But if they're like, oh yeah, that's exactly what's going on. Then you can realize, oh, I heard from God. And you can, you can start to learn what the voice of God sounds like and what isn't the voice of God. Now, Let's look at the situation with Abraham. He hears from God and God tells him, go sacrifice your son. Does that line up with the Bible? No. Child sacrifice is not okay. That is not okay at all. And this is something I find quite amazing because I don't think I'm in the place where If I heard from God to kill one of my children, I would say, quit lying to me, devil, and impersonating God. What are you doing? Trying to fool me. I would rebuke that. 
because it does not line up with Scripture at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite of the plan of God. Don't be sacrificing your children. Like, what? But Abraham had such a close connection with God. He knew it was God. And God was asking Abraham to do something that made no sense. In fact, it made negative sense. I don't know how to say that. But like, it's not just that it was confusing. It's that like, this is the opposite of what I should be doing. You know, it made, it made negative sense. Go sacrifice your son. And Abraham was like, wow, I don't understand what in the world you're getting at. But okay, if you're saying it, it must be good. So he goes. God has a history of testing people by asking them to do things that make no sense. You know, go march around Jericho, sing your little songs, and then you'll win the war. You know, like these things make no sense. Often God will ask people to do things that make no sense and that, that really don't make sense in order to see whether or not we trust him. And so that was the test that Abraham was in. He's hearing from God and he is told to sacrifice his son. He believes this is God and he goes forward with it and What that shows us is in God's test, he was seeing was Abraham willing to give up the thing most dear to him. Are we willing to give up what's most dear to us to follow Christ? If not, then Christ is not most dear to us. But if Christ is first, we'll give up anything else for the Lord. God was testing Abraham. Are you willing to give up the thing most dear to you? And he was, he was willing. He went all the way to lifting up the knife. The third lesson we can get from Genesis 22 here is that if you give up something that is from God, God will give it back to you and often even better. Isaac was from God. Isaac was the son of the promise. Abraham was willing to give up Isaac, but Abraham got to keep Isaac. So he passed the test, but he didn't lose the son of the promise. We are called to give up things very dear, most dear things to us. But if the thing we're giving up is something that's from God, we'll get it back and even better. If it's not from God, he'll give us a better replacement. Matthew 10, 37 through 39, Jesus basically makes this point very strongly. And he says this, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So Jesus is saying you need to be willing to give up all of these relationships, all of these connections. You need to be willing to give up your own life. But if you give up your own life, to follow Christ, he'll give you your life back even better. You will find it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. You don't lose it. You give it up, but your life is from God. It's a gift from God. You'll get it back even better. I want to give a couple of examples of this from my own life, my own experience. The first one is uh, with my wife, Trinette. So when she was a little girl, her dream was to be a mom. That's what she wanted to do. She wanted to have a bunch of kids and raise kids. And it was her, her identity, even as a little girl. So we get married and we have our, our son, Jacob, starting the family. She's happy with how it's going. 
And then she gets pregnant again, and right around four months, she has a miscarriage, and it's uh, devastating to her because she's got all these plans, and it's all this beautiful stuff. And then she gets pregnant again, and she has another miscarriage. So now she's had two, and something went wrong inside of her. And I couldn't do anything. You know, I'd go to work, I'd come home, and she just kind of has this sense of panic about her all the time. She's just in this weird place and she was trying everything to solve the problem. She's just constantly in a panic. And one day I came home from work and she was much better. Like, Hey, how you doing? And she's like, I'm doing a lot better. Like, okay, what's going on? She had went to some women's thing and she just said, I just released it to God. If I don't have any more children, that's fine. If I have more, great, whatever. I'm just, I'm not going to carry this burden anymore. I'm giving it to the Lord. I'm done. And she was at peace. And then nine months later, Seth is born. So, I mean, literally like nine months later, all this striving, all this fighting to get something. When she gave it up, God gave it to her. Then I'll tell another story about me getting to stand right here. I like standing here. I enjoy this tremendously. I'm very, very happy to be here, to be the pastor of Good Hope Church. I'm just thrilled. Now, probably 11 years ago, I started feeling a a stirring in my heart to come to Cloquet. I was pastoring in Big Fork. We planted a church in Big Fork in the year 2000. We're there for 10 years and, and just feeling this sense of, man, I feel like I'm supposed to go to Cloquet. So uh, we started going through some processes and, and meeting some people and we're doing some Saturday night things in, in Cloquet that, you know, uh, we'd have 15, 20 people showing up at stuff and it really wasn't quite going anywhere, but it was, it was neat. We were having a great experience just trying to serve the Lord, but uh, with very limited resources and, you know, just not much was going on. And uh, we're part of the Minnesota district of the assemblies of God. And the Minnesota district gave me a call and said, Hey, we've got a church, a strong church that's doing really well that wants to plant a church in Cloquet. We know you've been doing some things in Cloquet. Would you tell them all the stuff that you've learned about the community and the people that you've met and hand that over to them so that they can plant a church there? I was like, well, yeah, I can do that. You know, they, they've got resources. They've got organization. They've got a great plan. I'd rather have them do it well than me do it poorly. So yeah, I'll, I'll go. So I go to a meeting with the church planting director for the state of Minnesota, the pastor of this large church, and then the church planter who's going to come to Cloquet. And then there's me who's going to give them the information that I've learned about what we've done. And uh, when I go to the meeting, there's only two people there instead of three. So there's the church planting director and there's the pastor of the church. And so we sit down, we talk a little bit and they say, well, our, our church planter just decided he doesn't want to go to Cloquet. He feels like he's called to the marketplace and his employees are his mission field. And so he's not going to come to Cloquet. Uh, We've got a church that's been praying. We got a big pile of money. Uh, we just don't have anyone to go to Cloquet and plant the church. Would you want to plant through our church in Cloquet? I'm like, well, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> and so I went to a meeting to give up my future here. 
And when the meeting was over, I had a church of 300 people praying for me and a hundred thousand dollars. That's kind of helpful, you know? So something I was willing to give up, but it was God's plan and I got it back. So we must be willing to give up what's most dear to us. But if it's from God, he'll give it back to you and even stronger. Now we're going to look at that big gap that we talked about. We had the answering of the call. We've got Abraham being willing to sacrifice Isaac and the birth of Isaac. And then we have his 25 year gap. If you have to wait 25 years, your mind can wander. So let's go to Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse one. Let's read through this. Now, Sarai, this is Sarah. She also gets her name changed. At this stage, they're called Sarai and Abram. Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Okay. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed. Abram, come on, man. You know better than that. Lesson number one from this. Okay. Men, we saw with Adam, he just lets Eve talk to the serpent, doesn't help her at all, doesn't lead. He just abdicates his responsibility and lets her be deceived. He was not deceived, but he let her be deceived. Adam should have stepped in and said, you know what, Eve, we're not going to talk to the serpent anymore. We're going to go over here. He should have stepped in. Here, Abram should have also said, you know what, I appreciate you wanting to move this along, but I'm not going to go there. I'm dedicated to you. We're going we're gonna to trust God. He should have stepped in. So men lead. If you know that you need to do something to make something work the right way, do it. Go ahead and lead. But here, Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, so that's where he left his father's house to go, was to Canaan. Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. So she goes from the slave girl to, I'm the mom. You couldn't do this. I could do it. I am now more important than you. So this is creating much tension. Verse five. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Is Abram responsible? Yes. He should have taken control of the situation. He just sort of lets it happen. He is responsible. He needed to take authority over that situation and say, nope, we're not going to do that. You are responsible for the wrongs I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. She is mad. Verse six, your slave is in your hands. Abram said, do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So this is creating all kinds of problems. It just gets worse and worse. It's a big mess, but we're going to jump to uh, verse 15 and 16. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave him the name Ishmael. He gave the name Ishmael to the son he had born. And verse 16, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. You know, he'd been in Canaan 10 years. Now the child is born. That's in 11 years after the promise. And this happens. So instead of staying on the plan, they make a side plan. Three quick lessons. Number one, Abram agreed. Like Adam, don't do that. Men lead. Interesting point number two is that the promise seems to be very specific to Sarah 
not just Abraham, because Ishmael isn't good enough for the promise. Ishmael is the son of Abraham. And one little known fact, Abraham had lots of kids. He had a bunch of them. So Sarah is important. It's not just being a son of Abraham. It's being the son of Sarah that makes Isaac special. That's just interesting. Lesson number three, when we don't follow God's plan correctly, we and others pay a price. A price was paid. Ishmael becomes the father of the Arab nation, which is Islam. Isaac is the ancestor of the Jews. And so we have the Middle East, which is Islam and Judaism at war. Almost 4,000 years later, the war is still continuing between the sons of Abraham. When we don't follow the plan, people pay a price. Not just you. Other people pay a price when we don't follow God's plan. So let's do a quick recap. We looked at three events in Abraham's life, two great acts of faith, one not so great. His answering of the call, he goes, he leaves his father's house and he goes to a land God would show him the time where he's willing to sacrifice his son Isaac, but God was testing him. So he stops him, gives him his son back and provides the sacrifice. And then the time where basically Abraham and Sarah took it into their own hands and tried to figure out how to make it work not waiting on God's timing, but making it happen themselves. So I want us to look at ourselves as we close in prayer here. Where are we in the story? Where are you in the story? Are you in the place where Abram was in Genesis chapter 12? Well, God is calling him out, calling him to leave his life behind and go to start his life with God. Is that where you're at? Maybe you're in that place of Genesis 16 with with Hagar and all that, where you've stepped out to walk with God, but now it's not working how you thought. It's taking way too long. Things aren't happening. So you're starting to stray from the plan or starting to take it into your own hands and make it work somehow. Or are you in the, the Genesis 22 place where Abraham is called to give to God, to sacrifice the thing most dear to him. Where are you at? What place are you in? Let's look at these different places. Let's, um, let's pray and let's respond to God to help us through. So let's bow our heads and let's go before the Lord here today. Heavenly Father, thank you for the great things that you show us through your word. Thank you, Lord, for the example of faith that Abraham is. Lord, thank you also for the example of mistakes and not walking in the middle of your plan as well. Lord, we we all make mistakes and we all have these temptations. And so thank you for showing us what happens. Father, for each one that hears me right now, who knows they're in that place where you're calling them out. You're calling them to leave something behind and to go with you. Lord, I pray you just spark something in their heart where they would know I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to leave something behind and go follow God. I'm not sure where, but I know who I'm going with. And father, for all of us, help us to see, are we willing to give up that which is most dear to us? Are you what is most dear to us? Or are, is there something else? 
that we put above you. Lord, help us to see, are we willing to give up anything? And Lord, help us to know that you are the most important to us if we're willing to give up anything. And Father, I pray that you would give us a peace knowing that if you call us to give something up, that if it's something from you, that you'll give it back to us and even better. And if it's something that's not from you, that you'll give us something else that's way better than that counterfeit, that thing that we valued more than you. Lord, help us to trust you, to walk in faith like Abraham walked in faith, to answer the call, to stand steadfast through the long haul, and Lord, to be willing to see you as the most precious thing that we have. So we're willing to set anything else aside to go with you. Lord, encourage us and give us strength. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.